When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Need to Know, real talk about unidentified anomalous phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coulthard. From the US, Bryce Zabel. Hello and welcome to Need to Know on what I sense is going to be remembered as an historic day in Congress. I confess I had a huge lump and perhaps a little tear in my eye as I watched Dave Grush stand and take the oath with Ryan Graves and Dave Fravor before the hearing of the Oversight and Accountability Committee in Congress. Let's bring in Bryce from Los Angeles, my good buddy Bryce Zabel. How about you, Bryce? Did we both have a silent tear and a cry behind the scenes? I don't know if I was as silent as you. I was touched. I I really thought it was critically important that at least Dave Grush be under oath. And when I saw all three guys with their hands up, swearing to tell the whole truth, man, I thought that was a powerful moment. And and Ross, I'm sure you felt roughly the same way I did about this. I didn't hear anything that I didn't know or hadn't heard before, but I was moved by the fact that there were millions and millions of new eyeballs on those stories and they hadn't heard him in that kind of detail before, and they certainly hadn't heard him in Congress under oath. It was, as you point out, a historical day. July 26, 2023 will go down in history. It was an important, important moment. It's funny. I was talking to Dave a few minutes ago, and I asked him how he was feeling, and he said, I'm emotionally drained. I I don't think people realize just how tough it's been for him for the last few months. And the build-up to today's hearing was so incredibly stressful. And I guess there were times when both he and I and others of us have suspected that he may not even get that opportunity. So to actually finally see that moment, it it actually reminded me, I was thinking of two movies, Bryce. So I, I'm, I'm taking over your job for a moment and thinking okay. about movies. Yes. Um, right. I was thinking about the Jodie Foster moment at the end of Contact when she's giving evidence to the committee in Congress and there's the hostile reception to Congress about whether sure. or not she really did have evidence of first contact. And then the other movie that I was thinking of was, believe it or not, Jaws. Um, that lovely moment where I think it's Roy Schneider says, you're going to need a bigger boat. And I I, th- I think they're going to need a bigger hearing room next time than the Rayburn room in Congress. Um, what really struck me about last, uh, not last night, that, that was last night, my time, today, your time. What really struck me about the hearing was just the incredible interest the queues of people who'd come from, in some cases, across the planet to attend this historic moment. It, it uh, as you say, it wasn't a lot of new information, but to see those three men being treated with respect and to see their uh, allegations being properly considered by a sober and respectable committee of the Congress, 
I think was a huge moment, a huge advance. Sure was. Um, but I, because I'm the Hollywood guy out here, I have to give you a movie. I thought of The Godfather Part Two, where Michael Corleone was testifying, not because of the hostile. I mean, he got a hostile uh, a hearing, if you will, in the movie. And what the guys got today was not hostile. It was inquisitive. It was well thought out. And I have to say, uh, the overriding um emotion I felt was relief. Relief that it honestly looked and felt bipartisan. With only a couple of moments of exception, uh, everybody was kind of on the same page. They wanted to talk to these guys, hear their story. They wanted to bring it out in more detail. And uh, I thought that was really an important thing. And, uh, you know, when you can put uh, Matt Gates on the same uh, committee as uh, AOC and the the two of them are are two people who ask very good questions uh and and there was none of that partisan bickering where you try to make the other team look bad and you're really only posturing I really only saw one person posture to the the extreme which was the uh, congresswoman uh representative Fox with two X's uh where she asked David Grush uh, a question and he starts to answer it and he gets about a sentence in and we're all hanging on every word at this point. And then she interrupts him because she needs to be heard. She needs to I be so agree with you. I, her, her behavior infuriated me. It was she horrible. cut him off. And it was a really key question too. It was He was trying to answer her question and it was painfully obvious to me she wasn't interested in the slightest in his answer. What she was wanting was her five minutes of fame. In fact, here is my, uh, I'm, I'm just looking over here to look at what the, uh, she asked a critical question. Uh, what was it? She, you know, I didn't even write down what she was asking him. What was she asking him? Because it oh, was super me, my friend. I'm too tired. I've been up yeah. all night. <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a moment. You know, folks, we, we kid around a lot about how Ross is in one continent, I'm in another, and we're something like 19 or 17 time zones apart. And normally that's okay, because you and I work it out, Ross. We figure out, you know, where the, the, the things coincide. But when you start having an East Coast hearing and you're in Sydney and I'm on the West Coast and you're trying, you must have had a hellish last few hours. Please explain for you how that went. Well, the, the hearing started at midnight, my time in Australia. My lovely wife has basically decamped to Sydney and left me alone because she she can't stand the fact that my booming voice is dominating the house at all hours of the morning. I'm just doing back-to-back -back TV and radio interviews all over the world. And there's a huge amount of interest. I'm, I'm flattered and, and humbled that people are taking so much interest in this subject matter. But I just the one thing I really want to flag here, Bryce, is I don't think we can afford to feel any complacence at all. I think that the one thing, the one bear in the room is that there is absolutely no sign, no sign whatsoever that the Pentagon is indicating any willingness to make any concession. And it's interesting because as recently as an hour ago, Gaddy Schwartz from NBC, one of the few reputable journalists in the legacy media who's prepared to cover this issue with any respectability. He asked the Department of Defense if the US was in possession of non-human craft and non-human pilots. And the official response from Susan Goh, the spokesperson for the DOD, was, quote, to date, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, ARO, 
has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate <laughs> claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. DOD takes public interest in UAP seriously. The department's fully committed to openness and accountability to the American people, which it must balance with its obligation to protect sensitive information sources and methods. It's also committed to timely and thorough reporting to Congress. Well, now, let's problem, can, can I just ahead. make the one yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no way that that representation by Ms. Go is a truthful and accurate presentation of what the Pentagon knows. It is a deliberate attempt to lie and deceive Absolutely. the American public and the world. And frankly, it's a disgrace because I know, I know for a fact because I talk to some of them. There are people in the Pentagon and the intelligence community who are determined that this story get properly told, they're talking to the Congress, they want this story out, and they're infuriated with this head-up-their-ass position by the DOD that they can just basically persist with this deliberately misleading quote, which is attributed to Arrow, not to the right. Pentagon. And I, I, I'm sorry to do a rant on this, but I was so annoyed that for the first time, the New York Times is actually do, deemed to do a story. It's... it's um, condescended to actually report on this issue, and it's glibly misreported the Pentagon's statement as a statement from the Pentagon representing what the Pentagon position is, not Arrow. So it's actually said that the oh. Pentagon has said there's no verifiable information, when in fact the Pentagon has very clearly confined its response to what Arrow knows to what Arrow has discovered. And that is going to work out to be a very, very significant piece of linguistic sophistry by the PR spin doctor for the Pentagon. Mark my words, it matters. I really, usually I have some way to, to uh, get in the game with you, but when you unload linguistic sophistry on me, I have to take a step back and go, okay. But what I was <laughs> going to say is I, I can't let this go. That statement is a beautiful example, if anyone wants one, of parsing a statement so that the words support what you say but hide your true, hide the true meaning. First of all, saying Arrow doesn't know, as you pointed out, uh, Arrow is the all-domain uh, anomaly resolution office, and, and it may not know. Uh, about some of these things, and it should, but it may not. And so that would be, make it safe. And then also to say extraterrestrial, when in fact, uh, Dave Grush has gone at pains, not only in your interview you did with the man for News Nation, but also in the hearing room today to say that he doesn't like to speak about location. He prefers to use the term non-human uh, intelligence. So Again, a incredibly parsed statement that I don't think is going to stand the test of time. And as I've said many times, the books are going to be rewritten and new books are going to be written about this, this time. And when they do, they'll probably take that one apart because it's not going to last. And the reason it's not going to last is that is something which, by the way, I got a kick out of it. Every other person was talking about skiff this and skiff that and let's go to the skiff. And I was in the skiff and and. You know, you and I as, as broadcasters know that if you're going to use a, an acronym like that, you have to explain what it is. And uh, a SCIF is a secure compartmental uh, compartmentalized uh, intelligence 
What am I saying now? I've lost it already. I think it's actually sensitive compartmented intelligence facility. This this proves my point. And it's been a long day for all of us, even though I didn't have to watch it at midnight. But the point is, a skiff is a secure place where you go in and you talk about things that are classified. And one of the things that... um, like I, I just did an interview on Newsmax, which is, you know, draw your own conclusions about that. And the congressman I was on with was literally the only congressman who expressed any skepticism. I believe his name is Burleson. Um, and and again, saying, well, there's there's really no proof. I mean, it was just statements and things like that. But again, let's remember, Dave Grush confirmed again under oath that he has delivered 11 and a half hours of testimony with names, dates, uh, programs, etc., uh, in a uh, skiff to uh, the intelligence committees of the House and the Senate. And let's also recall that he offered on multiple occasions today, uh, I can't tell you this in public hearing, but I can tell you this in a skiff. Now, having said that, Ross, I have to say my biggest question as I finished this was, well, first, I I thought it was a huge step forward. But at the same time, I thought, all right, how do we get around this where we allow the public to understand the magnitude of this issue if all the good stuff has to go migrating into skiffs here and there? And the only thing I can say is that it is time for uh, to, to call the bluff of people who keep saying, where's the evidence? It's time to get some release on some of these photos and some of these videos and some of this data that is incontrovertible and put it out there. Because once that happens, as they say, a picture is worth, worth a thousand words. Once that happens, I think we're going to have a little less of this kind of um, pushback and we'll be able to move on to what the brave new world is really going to look like. Stay with us. We're back in a moment because you need to know. Just to add to the lexicon that came out of yesterday's hearing, one of my favorite lines from David Grush, and it surprised me, he hadn't told me he was going to say it, is the term administrative terrorism, which is what he used to describe the behavior of those gatekeepers, the people inside the defense community and intelligence community who are trying to suppress and harass and bully and intimidate people from speaking about this. And so the new word is administrative terrorism. I, I thought that encapsulated extremely well, but The other thing, too, that I found quite sobering that was a surprise to me was how far David went in acknowledging what I know is the emotional toll that this has taken on him and the people that he's aware of who have suffered as a result of the bullying, intimidation and harassment. Uh, Not only did he say that he knows of people who've been hurt or threatened, and he's aware of um, people who've come forward with allegations that people have been murdered, and he's directed those people to the appropriate authorities. I, I thought it was very sobering that at times he, he the, the one moment where he really displayed, I think, a level of emotion was when he was talking about the impact, the pain that this causes. And I, I know, because I've been talking to David for quite some time, it has caused considerable pain for him his, his loved ones, his family, 
and the people that he knows and respect who, who've got the courage to not only talk to David privately during his investigations, but who've had the courage already, as you say, to come forward to the Inspector General and give their evidence under oath privately to the IG, but also to basically testify uh, to um, the, government, the congressional committees. And I, I think that's what's really significant. You know, I agree with that. Uh, I just think it's important for us to take a, a moment and uh, remember one thing. Dave Grush told you a lot of things uh, in the News Nation uh, special that you did, the We Are Not Alone special. And he told us uh, some other things that, in a little more detail, maybe in the full uh, interview that you did with him. But here's what he said. Here's what he confirmed under oath in the halls of Congress today. I think this is a fairly full list. In addition to the administrative terrorism that he talked about, which I agree with you is a great term, he confirmed that murder had actually occurred, he thought, uh, or was led to understand in the keeping of this secret. He confirmed that deaths have occurred during the investigation of the phenomenon. He confirmed alien craft. He confirmed that some of them uh, are intact, not just crashes. He confirmed the B word, as I like to say, which is bodies. Uh, he confirmed reverse engineering. He confirmed that uh, some of this reverse engineering was part of the aerospace industry, which would make the situation that he's talking about, the military industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about back in 1961. I mean, he put some stuff on the table. He laid some cards down. And I got the sense that people of both parties who were in that hearing took away from it. We've got to dig down on these things. We can't just let these stand. We need to go in and we need to hear the man's story. If he if he doesn't tell if he's not capable of telling us the story completely in public, then we got to get him in a classified hearing. And I believe that is going to happen immediately. And remember, he's our, as you as you pointed out, and I pointed out today, he's already done eleven and a half hours of that, which means he has the goods. So people keep saying, uh, "Well, you know, I didn't see any proof today," and to which that kind of makes me want to have to tear my fists out of the ceiling because what are, what are people really saying? Are they saying that Dave Grush was supposed to sneak a document out of the Pentagon? He was supposed to sneak part of a spacecraft out, or? or a autopsy report, or a slide with alien DNA on it. That's not how it works. What he did come out with was, as we said, the names and the dates, etc. That's the proof. Now it's up to the Congress. And for the first time, I think that uh, particular lens is starting to focus. It's up to the Congress to say, these are significant charges. They're fantastic. It doesn't mean they're not true, the fact that they're fantastic. And we need to look into them in a more uh, specific way, and we need to dig into them to actually get the truth. So, wow, there seem to be a lot of people who are on that committee highly motivated to get at that. On the other hand, I'm not going to get up and do the happy victory dance right now, because the one thing I did notice as we got to the end of the hearing, and it wasn't long, what was it, a couple hours? which uh, was shorter. I, I thought it would go five hours or something. I mean, you, you, you talked to Dave Grush for three and a half hours and, and, and you could have gone another three and a half. So the truth is uh, we're looking at a situation where there's so much more to come out. 
And again, at the end of it, the the thing I saw was the the four three or four people in the middle of the uh, the hearing uh, chamber, if you will, who were the the Congress people who were asking the questions, and all these other seats that were empty. So in other words, a lot of Congress people came into a meeting, a, a hearing about the most important issue that you could ever imagine, whether we're not alone and whether we're at risk, whether it's a national security problem. And all they did is ask their questions, get their FaceTime, and then head out of there. I mean, what was so damned important that they didn't want to be there to hear the other answers from the other uh, congressmen? I, I just... I still got a little ticked off about all that. I agree. And I, it's interesting. There were so many moments, and I think some of the best moments when, when Dave, who's quite a compressed, very private individual, pursed his lips, and you could see a degree of tension in his answer. And my favorite point was when Representative Luna asked him, have you had incidences that have caused you to be in fear of your life? Right. And Dave leans forward. And he's aware of the significance of what he's about to say. And he just goes, yes. Oh. And, and you think about that. Oh. This is a public servant. This is a guy who's come forward to the Congress. What does it say about the hubris, the arrogance, the contempt of the people who are hiding whatever it is that Dave Grush says that they're hiding, that they can still continue to make this man as a whistleblower feel unsafe for his life. Pre precisely. Precisely. I think that uh, we have all had legitimate suspicions over the years that you don't keep people say, how oh, we can't keep a secret for five minutes, let alone 70 years. Well, you can if you're doing it at the point of a gun or murder is involved in it. So yeah, you can keep those secrets. But I think we thought that a lot of that was in the past. So to hear David Grush talk about like he feared for his own life, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but it did lead me to think one thing may happen as I We've used the phrase disclosure, and in fact, they they've used it widely themselves in this hearing. Uh, I even, you know, I, I tend to think disclosure for me means the larger picture, the details, filling in the facts that people haven't known. And I think we can now clearly see that's going to be a more difficult thing than you'd imagine, because uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, you and I and our, our listeners and viewers would like to see disclosed right now are still going to go into those skiffs for, for a, a period of time. But I do think that we are closer by a significant margin to a different word. And that's the one I love these days, which is confirmation, meaning let's just confirm that there's a non-human intelligence here. They're not up in the sky again. They're not SETI. They're not, they're not a, a billion light years or even 12 light years away. They're here in our skies. They're here in our seas and they're here in our space. And we have to deal with that right now. And there's probably not a better time to deal with it than now. Uh, we put it off long enough. Uh, I get the sense uh, from from a lot of metrics. Metric one, more people were interested in seeing this than than most committee hearings. There were, were lines, as you pointed out, and there's certainly massive interest uh, from people all around the world who, who tuned in to watch these hearings. Uh, there appears to be a significant across the board interest in covering it. Now, 
that doesn't mean the coverage is necessarily going to get better. Because I, I did mention the Newsmax thing. They started my interview again with a little green cartoon alien in a spacecraft flying toward the camera. So that didn't get better. I also saw CNN, after we were done, give a great deal more time to the Hunter Biden hearing uh, in the courthouse in Washington, D.C., than to this particular hearing. And I, I got to tell you, if I was a producer at CNN, I would for sure preempt an hour of programming tonight because and, and boil down the best thing and bring in people to talk about it. Uh, I know that you were part of that at News Nation, and I, I give great credit to News Nation because they are leading the way and they're being fearless about it. Uh, I don't know if it'll catch on with everyone else instantly, but we have moved a significant step closer to that day as of today. Now, listen, we're going to keep this short today, but before yes. we start wrapping up, I do want to pay tribute also to Ryan Graves and David Fravor. Yes. I was expecting their address to be, frankly, less interesting than Dave Grush's. I, I was expecting it to fall quite flat, but I thought there was real power in the Congress hearing the fact from Ryan Graves and Dave Fravor that this is a definite national security flight safety threat for them. And those moments when I think Moskowitz, Representative Moskowitz, raised with them the clear facts that, that these objects aren't complying with the known laws of physics. They're not displaying the kind of sonic boom that you'd expect to hear. Um, they're spherical machines of some kind. They're doing G-forces that, in Dave Fravor's words, are non-survivable. There's no seams, no rivets, no sections. And more importantly, they appear to be operating through some kind of unsanctioned program. The two pilots confirmed that, you know, as far as they're aware, this is no black American program. It's no secret program hidden in the black world. And I thought that their, their evidence complemented Grush's very, very well, much better than I expected. Yeah. Um, it, it really underlined to me that, that the Congress now has its teeth into this issue in a way that I really wasn't convinced that it did before. And right. okay, you know, the congressmen that are involved in this and congresswomen, uh, they're not high profile people, they're people in the House. But I think in coming weeks, months, you're going to see a higher level of engagement from the Senate in particular. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm so glad you brought those two up. I, I I realized that that was a great oversight on our part not to be uh, significantly uh, speaking their praise. Uh, David Fravor and Ryan Graves, by the fact that they are legitimate uh, pilots, Navy pilots, highly skilled, highly trained at being able to recognize what kind of aircraft uh, they see in the distance at a big distance. These are tremendous witnesses, and they're backed up by other witnesses, and they're backed up by data. And I did find their story very powerful. Now, if I'd been the producer of hearings, uh, I probably would have started with uh, Fravor and Graves in another hearing. And I would have liked to have seen, when you're going to bring uh, David Grush out, I would have liked to see some of the people also testify that David Grush is the man he says he is. He's, this, he's the, uh, the person who has had the experience he's had and that they vouch for him. That would have been a nice one-two punch. It didn't go out that way. So it was kind of interesting because these people, did, their stories didn't naturally want to dovetail. Uh, Grush is the inside man. 
Here he is inside the Pentagon. He's talking to people. He's seeing things. He's reading things. Uh, and these guys were just doing their average job, which is not average uh, when you're a Navy F-A-18 pilot, but they were doing their jobs and then they encountered this. And one thing I have to say, and, I, and maybe you know more details than I do about it, so I want to ask you about it. Uh, I did tweet about this. Um, uh, Ryan Graves started talking about in 2003, numerous witnesses saw a 100-yard red square approach from the ocean at Vandenberg Air Force Base and hover over the base for 45 seconds. I mean, that's like a giant square football field hovering over witnesses. Holy crap. I mean, I know. What, and, what can and, you and more importantly, as, as one of the congressional representatives commented, why don't we know about this? You know, that's yeah. the issue. Why hasn't that been reported to Congress? And I think it was AOC um, uh, uh, Cortez who, who actually made the uh, elicited the response that there's no obligation on private contractors to report these incidents. Because I think from memory, when Ryan Graves told that story, uh, it was something that had happened in front of a group of Boeing contractors at, at, at an Air Force base. So the big issue is why is this stuff not being reported? And I think after today's hearing, what's changed is it's now clear Congress has got its teeth into this issue. And more importantly, um, David Grush is prepared to give evidence in secure uh, secret testimony. And he said, quote, my favorite quote of the evening, frankly, was, I can give you specific cooperative and hostile witness list. So he's ready to rock. He's ready to give the information that I know he's got. And I know because I'm aware of some of them, I'm aware that there are witnesses who are queuing up behind him who in the right circumstances, I think, now that they've seen this issue treated with respect, are prepared to give their evidence. And this is a turning point. We're at the beginning of the beginning. We are at the beginning of the... Um... Or is, well, I'm not even going to try the Churchill quote because I'll screw it all up, but it was an important turning point and will be recognized by history as such. And I have to say, um, having uh, met Dave Grush on May 8th and May 9th and observed him in action and hearing his story and then hearing him again today, my overriding feeling is the man, of course, is telling the truth as he knows it. And uh, he's telling it under oath. I know we said we're going to get out quick. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just kind of fly up the 35,000 feet to use uh, an aircraft metaphor. Um, the one thing that I really felt watching this was a possibility of helping us in something that isn't just about we're not alone and, and there's other people out there. I want us to remember uh, because this hearing actually showed it. Um, I have a friend, by the way, who says he and his wife actually watch congressional hearings on C-SPAN. And I said, man, you got to get a life. But he he said that they're usually just one side trying to make the other side look bad. It's just, you don't even care about the witness. You're just making statements. And there's a lot of hostility and negativity. Didn't see any of that today. Did not see that. Why? Because this concerns all of us. And that's my point that I want to leave us with today. I know that we are a deeply divided country uh, and even world, but particularly in the United States, we are divided. We are red or blue. We are Republican or Democrat. We are Trump or Biden. We are Newsmax or MSNBC. We just see things from our point of view. And instead of 
acknowledging that the other guy may have their own point of view. We actually just put them down and attack them. I think that has to end. And I'll tell you why. I doubt there is anyone who would argue with the fact that when the truth is finally known about this, we have far more in common with the other people that we are picking fights with right now than we are going to have in common with those who we are about to meet, these people of non-human intelligence. And therefore, I say it is time to be a little kinder and gentler with ourselves because we need to start pulling our act together, seeing the world from the point of view of humanity and the earth as our singular home at the moment and, and try to get our act together so that we can be uh, willing and able to approach this larger issue in a, in a far more productive way. And I'll just say this, the House of Representatives today was full of a lot of people that other people hate. Democrats hate Matt Gates and Republicans hate AOC, and never the twain shall meet. But today, those two people were on the same team and they had the same goal. And I thought, it's about damn time. Well, all favor to them. And let's hope that this is the beginning of what we both anticipate should be a series of highly aggressive, probing, investigative congressional hearings. That's all for Need to Know this week. It's been a momentous day, but a happy one. Catch you all later. Need to Know is a joint production of Stellar Productions and Powerful Owl Productions. The producer is Rich Johnson. Want more? Find more at needtoknow.today. That's needtoknow.today. Today.